Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We're going to do an interim transfer roundup number three or four. I've lost count at this point uh, because there's been some big news of riders who've maybe been, um, the negotiations obviously took a little bit longer. Perhaps they were hoping for a good offer from where they currently were. Uh, and so we'll go through them, namely being Adam Yates, Tymon Aronsman, although that was uh, an open secret. Uh, Yates from Ineos to UAE, Aronsman from UAE to Ineos, Jay Vine rumoured by Chiro to uh, go to UAE. They've also signed Wellens, Groshart, and Novak, and Ineos have signed a host of youngsters, plus perhaps the Lucro uh, replacement, Connor Swift. So we'll go through all of them, but the first transfer, the biggest probably rider in terms of Palmares, Adam Yates, Benji, to UAE. He was on Ineos for uh, a couple of seasons, 2021 and 2022 during his time there. He didn't perhaps achieve what they both wanted from it. He won Catalonia with the stage, and then this year he won Deutschland Tour with the stage. No Grand Tour podium. Uh, I'm not sure if he podiumed... uh, I don't think he podiumed a Healy monument like a Lombardia either. Oh, no, sorry, he did. He came third last year. I, I lied. He had a good end to the year, and he might do so again this year. Um, but, yeah, it seems, Benji, that he just wasn't – like he's worth a lot of money because he's can win World Tour GC stage races and World Tour one-day races, but he's not going to push Ineos to the next level at the Tour. And I don't even think he's going to he – like, you can't rely on him to win the Giro either, especially when you've got C-Rod and Sivakov. So, to me, it seemed like they just didn't need him at, at this phase of their rebuild. Um, is that – like, or do you think Ineos should have re-signed him and he's still one of their top GC guys and other guys aren't at his level for next year? I think when it comes to Adam Yates at Ineos, I believe that – he was a consistent one-week racer, as you mentioned. Like, he's doing great at UAE Tour, those kind of races, Catalonia and so forth. But it only really came out in that Vuelta, where he ended up fourth just behind Jack Haig. And is fourth in that Vuelta? Arguably, he could have gotten more than fourth if he played it tactically better on stage 20, but that's not a certainty. But is that good enough to stay at Ineos? And I'd argue his Grand Tour consistency has not been good enough to to really promote him to a level where he is GC leader at the Tour de France, for example, straightforward. That's not the case for me. Maybe that Vuelta changed something in him that we haven't seen yet where he is more consistent in Grand Tours, but I believe I haven't seen that in 2022, for example. But now, when we look at what he has to offer for Ineos, well, not much, like you said. The youngsters at Ineos are growing. They're growing. Carlos Rodriguez, for example, is taking a step up. And we see other youngsters that are going to prove more in the future, like a Pitcock winning on Albuez, arguably going to be a GC rider at some point in his career, that type of stuff. And next to that, Ineos is, from my perspective and from multiple sources on the internet, also slightly reducing their budget. And that has been likely a reason that both Carapaz and Yates are leaving, I'd say. Because let's say their, their salary stays the same or goes slightly up. Obviously, they paid more for Pitcock now this year after that crazy extension he had. But even if it, their budget goes up a tiny bit, I, I'm guessing they likely re-sign Akarapas over an Adam Yates still, right? Yeah, and also there's the huge Pidcock contract. So, like, even if the budget hasn't gone down, like, it's been eaten up. Um, like, I don't think Van, Van Barlow was probably on decent money. Carapaz, yeah, decent money. But, yeah, that Pidcock deal's got to be a big one. 
I don't know. I think it is about the money because Yates, I reckon he was being paid the same or more than Vingegaard was before the tour this year. So, like, that's a lot for someone who wasn't near winning or even podium the tour. Yeah, and Ineos apparently did give an offer towards uh, towards Adam Yates. I read that on Velo News recently, and apparently it was too low for Adam Yates. And then Bike Exchange and BNB were both interested. BNB, who got a gigantic bag of money from the new sponsor for next year, but he's now going to UAE. And the question, Dennis, why did he choose for UAE? And what does Adam Yates offer towards your AT Emirates? And there's multiple aspects there. I think when it comes to Adam Yates' side, there's probably also some involvement when it comes to the finances, when it comes to joining UAE. That's always the case for a lot of riders. But when it comes to the sporting merit here, what opportunities do you see for an Adam Yates at UAT Emirates? Because they've got loads of GC riders now. Eh? They've got Ayuso coming through at the Vuelta. Pogacar are still on the top level, obviously. And... We need to consider Almeida existing. What do you see as Adam Yates' role within UAE? Um, I think it's to score points because Matchin said that they want to score a lot of points. They do so many non-World Tour races. That's why they have signed Hodge, Ackerman, Milano. Because when you look at it and you're thinking, why would you sign Ackerman for good money when you have Pog to the Tour and other riders like Almeida going to the Giro. Um, and I think they just want to score a lot of points, which, listen, if that's their goal, that's their goal. I don't think anyone cares. Like, does anyone care about the UCI ranking? No, because it's meaningless, because there's, there's no money attached to it. The teams that the relegate. <laughs> if you get relegated, yeah, it starts to matter. <laughs> but whether you come first, second, or third, like, do you remember who came first in the UCI ranking in 2018? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. You went. You remember who wins the Tour? Who wins the Giro? Who wins Paris Bay? Like, not. If you have a budget that big, sending guys to triple stack the top five of Trofeo Laguelia is, in my opinion, a waste of time. Um, it's good for development maybe to practice if you're going to apply the same strategies from that race to Lombardia but to score points yeah um and I think Yates because when has Yates been a good domestique Benji like I know he like for Thomas murder Pagua 20 seconds like when has he been a good domestique I agree in that aspect and I think it's also kind of a a consequence of the strategies of Ineos, though, in that Tour de France, for example, I feel like they were still holding Adam Yates' positioning GC quite all right at that point, and perhaps they weren't going to offer that up just to help out Thomas. But I agree that he hasn't really been the rider that I would see as the all-out domestique. Nonetheless, he can evolve into that. I think we we were suggesting similar for Micah before he joined UAE, where we weren't sure whether he was going to be able to fill that domestique role as he had done it very limitedly beforehand like he was always going for his own stuff for even KOM jerseys back in the day and stage wins in the in the years of uh what is it Saxobank the yellow jerseys that they had back in the yellow blue ones that year like we saw Micah evolve in that perhaps that Adam Yates can also evolve from the situation he's in into for example let's say he goes to one week races because I think that's going to be definitely a role that he does one week races to score those points to get UAE as the number one team in the world and also because he's bloody good at it one week race that's also very important they were gonna try and do a one-two at the UAE tour most likely because that's what Yates and Pogacar usually do at the UAE tour I, I bet it's like the UAE prince or whatever he was like well who's this guy that's like making it more difficult for us at the UAE tour sign him I, I want to get rid of him we can't we can't have this happen he he might actually beat us at some point so they're probably trying to make sure that they are so secure when it comes to the UAE tour but uh Next to that, I do believe that they are going to use him as a super domestique and co-leader at some point in a Grand Tour. But when it comes to the Tour de France, I don't believe his consistency is good enough to be a co-leader. And there I see him more as an attempt at a, a super domestique. But I guess we'll see if that comes out because I'm not 100% certain. 
The Micah comparison's a good one. He joined UAE in 2021 when he was a similar age, 30, turning 31. He had uh, spent a lot of his career, perhaps his peak, chasing Grand Tour results. From 2017 to 2021, Micah didn't win a race, uh, but he ran top 10 in the Vuelta, in the Giro, 13th in the the Vuelta and 12th in the Giro as well. So similar to Yates, although Yates is a much, much better one-day racer. Um, And then Mike has been excellent for Pogaccia. So I think that's a good comparison. I think you do. I think Yates is a good co-leader for Lombardia, for Quebec for Montreal, for maybe Liège. He is, like, his punch is really, really good on the sort of steep, steep stuff. So I think pairing him with Pogaccia, because Almeida's on paper should be good at it, but his handling, his descending is an issue. Ayuso will be good too, but Yates is a really, he came third last year. So he's a really good guy to have. And maybe Pogaccia doesn't want to do Lombardia this year or next year because he's doing the Vuelta and Worlds or he's doing something else. So I get it from that aspect. Um, I would have liked to have seen a team... Like Yates is more Yates is more valuable for his points than for his potential Grand Tour results because he can score so much in really yep. really valuable races. Like he scored four twenty five across the Canadian races. He's ranked thirteenth in the world. I'm just trying to think who would be that team because Intermarche already qualified. Lotto don't have the money. Israel, this is the problem with Israel, Benji. They've just made themselves such an unappealing destination. Yeah. Like with the equipment, with the scheduling, with, you know, from an outside perspective, just how the operation is running. That I wouldn't, if money was equal between Israel and UAE, you'd go to UAE every time. Like, so. Yeah, are you surprised no other team splashed the cash for him, like a Bora? Um, Bora like to stack these sort of riders. Yeah, but Bora have uh, have already stacked quite a bit of riders last year when it comes to finances, that after also getting rid of Sagan's salary and so forth. But when it comes to this year, like I think Bora probably has their crop of GC riders that they want to have. Perhaps they want to expand that more in the future, but they have their crop after last year with a, a Vlasov and so forth in the team and so forth, but Calderman now leaving. Let's keep that in mind as well. But when it comes to UAE, it's also... I don't know if a lot of teams can actually compete with their finance in general. Like, when we talk about Ineos, we're talking about them potentially reducing their salaries, if not staying the same. I'm guessing it's lowering a tiny bit, though, from my perspective on, on the situation, though. And... When it comes to Yumbo, that's another team that can compete with UAE about salaries, but I'm pretty sure Yumbo's salary is also still under UAE salaries yeah. in general. And what other teams can compete with that? Because the gap is quite significant to all the other mid-tier teams. And then we're looking at the team that was actually in the running to get Adam Yates, according to Velo News, which was a BNB with 19 million in their bag suddenly. So that's an intriguing aspect, but it's also going to a, a pro team that, that is not a proven pro team that has not really displayed their plans to the worldwide public yet. We don't know what their plans are going to be, how they're going to take it on with that money, what they're going to do there. So there's that aspect. Bike exchange is another option. They saved themselves most likely from relegation this season is how I think it. the situation is right yeah, now. Looking they're looking good. relatively safe especially after the mixed relay gave them a bunch of points. Oh, can't believe it. Anyway, um, that's another destination that was interested, but he came from that. Perhaps he doesn't want to go back to that situation. EF got Carapaz, so they don't need an enemy eights anymore. So it's starting to get limited, eh? B&B is the one. Uh, you're right bringing that up in that they want to get the wild cards. They want to become a world tour team. They need to start scoring bulk loads of points in about five months from now. And same with Total Energy could have probably sprung for Yates. Uh, They have good equipment already. So Total would have been a good spot. But if the money's equal between those two teams and UAE, who are already way better than those teams, 
yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. So that's the H2 UAE. We'll talk about in a second. Uh, well, there's another. I'll skip to uh, the other riders they've signed for sure, uh, Tim Wellens. But before I get to that, I'll mention our show partner, Zwift. Whether you're just starting out on your cycling journey or are looking for those final tune-ups ahead of a big event or race, Zwift is the online cycling platform that makes things fun there are nine different worlds thousands of kilometers of virtual road including replicas of real world climbs like alp de swift there's workouts training plans events and races for every level of rider the massive community means you're never alone so if you want to find out more about zwift or indeed to start your free seven day trial head to zwift.com down below now the reason i was a little bit negative uh, maybe about the Yates signing was because of who UAE haven't signed. They've signed Wellens, uh, Groschartner, and Domen Novak. Now, Novak signing for UAE is no surprise to anyone who watched the <laughs> UAE, uh, the Sl- Tour of Slovenia, which was kind of the UAE tour, um, <laughs> where he was sort of half riding with or for Pogaccia whilst on Bahrain. Um, he he's a good rider, uh, just a solid mountain domestique. Groschartner's top ten of welter, Wellens like. I I just again Benji for points, it's fine. Like these riders, but first of all, Wellens doesn't score in big world tour one day races. Neither does Groschartner really. Novak's a domestique. Um, neither of them are really capable of winning world tour GC one weeks uh unlike yates and uh, yeah there can be an okay domestique but wellens is li- literally allergic to the heat yeah like, actually allergic to the heat he they've done test he like has gets a rash it's because when we joke about february wellens it's he yeah he can't ride as well in june and july in france it's uh it's true when we spoke about UAE quite a lot and the potential weaknesses that the team has towards next year as well and had in this year's Tour de France after the Tour de France in our recap discussion of that Tour de France. And what came out of that discussion was that we saw a lack of like controlling the breakaway. Those type of riders, a rider that can control the breakaway well, that can be like the break formation phase in the race is very important to make sure that a Jumbo can't set riders up the road, for example. And you need riders to try and counter that or to be riders that can also make that move in the earlier part of the race. And I see that in a limited fashion when it comes to UAE team Emirates. And on paper, physiologically, as in the way he's built and the way he can ride cobble races and so forth, and as a ruler, Wellens fits that description. But like you said, one, he's allergic to the heat in that sense. And next to that, is that the reason that they signed him? And that's also a question mark for me because I do believe that that is an area where they have to either find a rider in their current team that needs to fill that role or they need to find a signing that can also fill that role. And perhaps a rider that is joining Ineos that we haven't spoken about yet, but Connor Swift is a rider that would have fit that role, for example, do you think? 100%. Or, 100%. Like, that's the kind of Connor rider. Swift. What was it? The French races, Benji. Quintana was there all day. Uh, Tour de la Provence oh. in the crosswinds, the crosswind stage that Viviani won. He was there. Schelmers was good there too. Swift, I think, was with him. Swift is just a really good stage racing ruler. I don't think he would have cost the world. And yeah, when you like their rulers, it's like. The Oliveira brothers, um, Björk, who, yeah, isn't that good at it. And, like, that's about it, really. Finn Fisher Black has been injured this year, so they've, they'll be hoping he's only 20 and, like, he, he does have the talent. But, he, like, Pogac is in his Tour de France winning f- cycle of his career now. Um, and so Kuhn was the man to go for. Uh, they couldn't get him for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, just anyone that's like seventy-three kilos, to seventy-six kilos that has some race sense at the start. Um, and so, like, 
the Wellens transfer just doesn't – it's just like meaningless to me. It just like I don't care. I don't care if Tim Wellens wins Volta Andalusia for UAE. Like I set the bar for them is winning monuments, winning the Tour de France, winning not just the Tour, podiuming the Giro, podiuming the Vuelta. They should be on the podium of every Grand Tour each year. That's the goal because of the budget, because of the talent, because you have Pogaccia. And so like Wellens just doesn't – doesn't really move the needle for me. And next to that, there's also the aspect that is the Cobble Classics. Can Wellens offer something in the Cobble Classics to make that team a stronger team, more support for whoever is leader in that race? Yes, I think that's something that he can play a role in, for example. I don't believe he's a, a leader for a Cobble team at the moment. He hasn't shown that in, in recent years to be worthy of like an all-out leadership in that race. And Pogacar is also in this team. But the question is, what races will Pogacar focus on? Because one of the aspects that we discussed last year when it comes to UAE is that this team is still a team that is led by a man that does so many races to try and cover the races that they don't necessarily have other riders for. Because he went to the Classics at the start of the season, was great at Tour of Flanders. He could have podiumed there, but he kind of choked in the final, unfortunately. And he did Lombardia last year. He does monuments throughout the season. He does grand tours throughout the season. This man cannot ride every single race. Is there also the aspect that they should have maybe invested in an extra leader for the cobble season, for example? Like, for example, a Kranderson would have been if he had joined. Well, is Kranderson on the level to be a well, cobble leader for you, eh? He'd be their top three, one of their top three, right? Would he be better than yeah. Trenton if Trenton's no. yeah, a bit yeah, on yeah, yeah. the... Like, you know, the, it's not hard to make the UAE Paru Bay team. Like maybe if I if I keep going over Christmas on Zwift, like, and <laughs> it's possible, like their Paru Bay. I think they've had what one guy on average finish every every year. Like the classics team has been very very neglected. And if the goal is to come number one in the ranking, even if I don't agree with that being the goal but if that is the goal then you can't just focus on Laguelia Trevally Varacina with sending a Wellens Groshart and a Soler a Uso to you know come four in the top 10 there's Omlope and Brugge de Pana and all these races too that score a lot of points so again these signings do I think Novak could make the tour team could but I think it's unlikely because Yates, Soler was really good. McNulty is better than him. Michael is still good. I just don't see how Novak... I mean, would Novak be okay in Medium Mountain, actually? Would he be all right if he or she... Like, could he take the place of he or she? I don't know about he or she, but when I think of Novak, I see a potential replacement for a rider that I'm not even sure if he is leaving the team, but... I think about Apollons, for example, as in a climbing role where yes. Nova could replace that. But is is Apollons leaving the team at UE? Because I'm actually not sure about it. If that is the case, I'm going to take a look in a second. He's he is, not contracted. Yes, so potentially he's that replacement in their eyes. Yeah, I mean Polans is thirty. I thought he was half decent in the. He came twelfth in the Vuelta. Yeah, <laughs> he was half decent in the welter. Um, he wasn't in their tour team for whatever reason. He seems to have fallen out of favor with the, um, yeah, with the Pagacha program because he does the opposite. He did the opposite program to Pagacha this year. Um, so even though I still think Polance is quite handy. Uh, the other big rumor from Chiro. Uh, I won't pronounce his surname, Scaramiglio. I'll try. Uh, on Twitter, the other big rumor was Jay Vine to UAE. Um, he obviously won two stages in the Vuelta. He had KOM looking wrapped up before he crashed out in a uh, quite nasty crash, actually. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they've gone after him, Benji, but it does surprise me that there's no rumors of him going to Ineos. He, to me, Vine is Froome or like we've seen Froome, Roglic, even um, Woods. I'm surprised Ineos didn't look at him. 25-year-old. I know I've been beating the Javon drum to exhaustion <laughs> last 18 months, but are you not surprised Ineos, you know, 
25-year-old Australian, they've English-speaking, good climber, good TT, just shit equipment, and a project for GC, and also they don't have peak froom. Thomas has maybe got one year, two years left. They didn't go for Jay Vine, who wouldn't – he's not going to cost the same as Yates or, or Peacock. One aspect that we do need to mention is that Jay Vine originally had a contract for 2023 at Alpes in the Koenig. So if he actually is leaving, he's technically being bought out of that contract, is my guess. And if that is the case – how significant is the cost to buy someone out of a contract? Because I actually have no clue if that is significant. For example, let's say, I know that Bernal was bought out of his Androni contract back in the day. And I'm guessing that Ineos put quite a bit of money on the table to make that happen towards Androni because other teams were also interested. How much do you, would the UAE have to pay to an Alpecin, for example, to buy a J-Vine out of his contract to get him to join next season? I don't know. And perhaps that is a reason that Ineos is not going after a rider that is in a contract because they think they can't afford to do so. Or is that a, a thought too far? Um, to be honest, like I don't, I don't know. I I still think he's underrated. I still, I still think Vine will be underrated next year. He'll 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 yep. come fifth in a World Tour GC race or third in World Tour GC race. People are like, oh, Jay Vine, how did just like. Uh, well, he went in a wind tunnel and got some, like, you know, was put some team support around him. Well, not, I'm not saying Alpsen, the guys with him did their best. I'm saying, like, uh, top climbers around him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that the rumours didn't come out from, from Yumbo um, because if imagine, imagine Jonas on a good day telling – Vine and then Ving- uh, and then Coos to set pace like oh, you could set some, you could break the Mont Ventoux record. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised because I, as I said, I still don't think he's costing anywhere near the realm of the you know the Yates of this or even Wellens. Frankly, the question then is: Jay Vine indeed has won those two Vuelta stages. What are the next steps for him? What is it he desires if he goes to a a UAE, for example. That's also a question I have because at Alpecin, he is all-out leader wherever he wants to go because there's no GC riders in that team. There's also not really support in that team. So that's a counter in that discussion. Is it valuable to leave an Alpecin who is now becoming a World Tour team and might have that support in the future to go to UAE? Financially, probably 100%. Opportunity-wise, it depends. Is he going to instantly have that role as a, a co-leader in one-week races if he goes to UAE, for example? Or will he have to prove it first before he can get that role and therefore the opportunities aren't baked in stone yet? I think he'll get plenty of opportunities, actually, because everyone else has. Soler has. Almeida has. Bennett? Bennett has. Like, everyone gets to go for their own result in non-pog races. And that's actually the optimal thing to do if you're trying to hunt for points is to have three GC riders ride for their own result. Um, so I think it will his TT setup can't get worse. So like it's going to be a huge impact on his TT setup, uh, which is the most the biggest flaw he has right now. Um, so yeah, I think. I think everything will be better. Like he had good support from the rulers at Alperson. Like he had good, like Johnny Vermeersh actually, like Jay would tell me, like he's actually, the guys like that on the flat before the climbs are really, really useful at moving him around the bunch and, and setting him up. They're actually good in that fashion. And to be honest, on Pico Hano, who the fuck could have paced for Vine? Like Vingegaard <laughs> and <laughs> like, that's it like there's not many people who could have really done much because he just crazy was so um i don't think he'll do the tour Uh, it doesn't make sense to me for him to do it because uh, i think the giro suits more and there's micah there's yates there's other riders so i i don't see him doing that and yeah the giro was a bit lackluster until kovi saved it this year i think from memory but that's not confirmed yet um 
but that would be that would be big news if it indeed happens. Um, and I think a big loss for Alperson. He's really been like a like one of their most prominent writers after NVDP, like in particularly the in the English language market. Um, but we'll move on to the Ineos Grenadiers incoming. We've spoken about Yates outgoing. Aaronsman has been rumored for a long time. Uh, has confirmed he is joining Ineos. He won the Sierra Nevada stage in the Vuelta. He then worked his way into uh, sixth on GC, 22 years old, 2023 at the end of this year. Two-year deal, not a three-year, only a two-year deal. Um, Not a bad one because if he performs well, he'll get a big three-year contract after that. What are you... Yeah, what do you what do you think they want from Aaronsman, Benji? Is he a is he a domestique or is he just another card that they hope can develop into a big GC guy like a Plap, like a Peacock, like a Rodriguez? We often see Ineos use riders that have future GC goals that as a super domestiques for other riders in the earlier parts of their career. Carlos Rodriguez at the start of the year, or I don't know if it was this year or last year, was setting pays on Chalet Renard in Provence or something for other riders and. There, his teammate ended up competing there then. And we see that evolve throughout the years as well. And Carlos Rodriguez is now claiming a higher spot. But Aronsman comes in at a at a higher end because he has already finished six at the Vuelta. He's coming into Ineos. And I'd say that he's a Grand Tour prospect in their eyes. I think they want to do Grand Tour GC with Diamond Aronsman. I think he's a type of rider that he often reminds me of a, a Tom Dumoulin kind of rider. But there's one difference that I see between the two. Damon Adamsman, he can have that steady tempo on the climb and so forth. He has that strong time trial. The only difference that I haven't seen from an Adamsman that I saw from Dumoulin loads of times, because he did it to Nibali a lot, is that if Nibali dropped Dumoulin back in the day, Dumoulin was able to get that resurgence, that second wind, and counter Nibali after his attack and drop him. He also did similarly at the Vuelta, I'm pretty sure, where he came back to someone who was winning and then overcame that rider. So that's the difference that I haven't seen with an Adensman, that that finishing aspect to him as well. Now, for a GC rider, consistency is the most important part, and that's an area where on the climbing, I'm saying that he's pretty damn strong. On a time trial, he's pretty damn strong, but then he has this, like, weird moments on stage that you don't expect it let's say a finish of like two kilometers at eight percent he suddenly loses like 19 seconds or 30 seconds like in Polony that one time and the Vuelta as well one stage that he did similarly those stages he shouldn't be losing time on and if they can get those small aspects out of him then he can become a more consistent GC rider than he already is if you can come sixth in the Vuelta at 22 years old you can become a top five GC rider top five in a Grand Tour in the future. That's 100% true. Can that evolve into a rider that can get on the podium of a Grand Tour? I believe that's always possible with Diamond Adesman. I believe he can podium a Grand Tour. Winning is not going to be easy because there's so many talents now on the board right now. I see their goal in the coming years to have him be able to podium a Grand Tour. Do you see that as a right goal? Do you see that as difficult? Do you see that as doable? Um, depends on the parkour and what they can do with his TT. His TT, uh, did something happen to him in the, in, he got a stroke in Alicante, right? Cause his TT yep. was shit. He lost yep. three minutes. Um, like they need, he, he needs his TT to be better than Jonas, better than Pogacar. He needs it to be even a pole level for starters because he's never going to be the best climber. He's 192 centimeters. He really struggles on the steep gradients. Like on Hazelanas, he they went super slow on Sierra Nevada stage. On Prairas, uh, let me have a look where he finished. He finished on four minutes. He lost... Uh, two minutes thirty to Avonapol on Prairies, like that's a lot on a fifteen-minute climb. Yeah. Um, so the steep stuff he really, really struggles with. But this welter largely wasn't, so it was really suitable for him. Uh, it depends on the money, as I always say. I don't know the contract, but you're getting all the upside, right? Twenty-two. He just came sixth in the welter. He's been on DSM. I don't think 
things, you know, <laughs> he seemed a bit cranky about a few things in the Vuelta. Ineos TT setups are really, really good, top three. And if he, he's not, if you've agreed the contract before the Vuelta, the full stage win, he might not be on, he'll be on probably more than I expect, but he's not going to be on Yates' money. And then he can be a really, really good domestique because he is big. So on a 6% climb, he can pull really hard. In a breakaway, as a satellite rider, he can get in breaks, as we've seen. He get, he can get in breaks in multiple Grand Tours. <laughs> and then pulls him out. <laughs> yeah, and then they pull him out. But he's capable, which is not every guy can get in breaks, the uh, GC riders, and he can be really useful up the road. So I think it's fine. I'm keen to see how he goes. Um, big talent, but yeah, his, his size is really counting against him when there's so many tiny guys that now TT at a crazy level. I think a spot where I see him going for is, I believe it would really fit in a Grand Tour like the Giro, for example. Longer, steady gradient climbs, stuff like that. I think that fits him so well compared to the steep gradients you mentioned. That is likely going to be reappearing in the Vuelta a bit more in the future. I don't think the Vuelta will keep the non-steep stuff on their planning for every single year now. I really think the Giro fits him. If those time trial kilometers that are rumored to 70k time trials, that venue popped in the second that he heard that Remco Evenpool might be intrigued in the Giro. Those time trial kilometers, if those are there, I think Adensman is good for a Giro. And then we look at the Ineos team, for example, and the question is, all those GC riders that are in that team, who of those would be going to a potential Giro as leader, for example, and I see a potential co-leadership role at the start of a Giro for Diamond Islands month. Yeah, and especially with Carapaz out the door, and I think someone did the stats. Um, you know, Ineos, we said it last year, the rebuild was starting when we looked at their off-season transfers. It's intensified. They are getting rid of 30-year-olds. Plus, if you even Thomas got a, a short contract, um, and they're bringing in young, young riders. And for Aronsman, I mean, I wonder, like, his power meter was overreading so badly all throughout this year. <laughs> like, I wonder if Ineos corrected it. Because, um, like, the Watts Pekilo that it said he was doing is not was not correct <laughs> at all. And then during the Vuelta, actually, it flipped the other way, and it was, like, underreading massively. So um, that's why I always – that's why the power estimations are important because the power meters, sometimes guys are literally riding around. And I'll have a good story in the off-season from a rider actually about it who pre-Vuelta, he, he sent me his, his file to say, I let him come on and tell the full story, he sent me his file. He's like, fuck, I, I was going really hard doing max taper before the Vuelta. And it, but my was so terrible, but I just took this KOM. Oh, but yeah, I really do like only 5.8 or whatever. I was like, buddy, <laughs> you did a lot more than that. Um, and he's, you know, people training with, Bad, bad, uh, bad power meters or different ones uh, that aren't the same as the calibration of their race bike. Anyway, that's a long story about power meters. Aronsman's was a bit bit funny uh, because of the ones that DSM use. Uh, but yeah, Ineos getting younger uh, as well with the signings. Oh, we already mentioned Swift. I think we'll quickly on that just say he's a classic rider slash stage race ruler. I think it's really good. Tick. Um, don't think he's going to cost the world. Uh, but the young ones that I alluded to, Leo Hayter, the brother of Ethan Hayter, who also got a big uh, contract extension, but really struggled in the welter before having to abandon. Joshua Tarling, who is a huge unit, uh, and yeah, he's a good rider, and Michael Leonard. I think did Tarling win Junior Worlds ITT, uh, yep. I believe, the other day, and Michael Leonard I know nothing about. Um, I knew from Discord from the Canadians that he was one to watch, but do you know who he is, Benji? Because he's not done Lavenir or anything like that. Basically, he's a Canadian that has been riding for the Franco Ballerini team in Italy. We've seen quite a few riders in the past go from the Franco Ballerini team and actually become World Tour riders. So he's one of those riders. At the age of 18, he's signing a three-year deal now for Ineos. Is Michael Leonard and... The aspect to him is that he won quite a few of those um, junior Italian races in Italy. Well, because they're Italian races, they are in Italy. No shit, Sherlock. And he won, for example, Trofeo Madonna del Calvatore. That's one of those races he won. 
multiple one-day races as well in April. He is a reportedly, according to Velenos, also one of the standout performers in the junior ranks in Italy in general. And apparently, Ineos has said that he has significant numbers, or at least the numbers have significantly impressed them as a consequence they've signed him. So that's intriguing. I think he's just one of those riders where we have to see where he goes. Last year, they signed a Sheffield, a Ben Turner clock, for example, and also a Hajduk. We've seen quite a few of those. Yeah, Tullet, exactly. We've seen quite a few riders of those, although Tullet was kind of already there at Alpecin, I'd argue. But the other three are youngsters that we didn't know as much about when they signed for Ineos, for example. And we now see a, a Leonard doing very similar move. And we saw Sheffield building into that this season. We saw Clock building very strongly into that as well this season. Those two riders really performed. A Hajduk has not really gotten out there and proven it the first year. Doesn't mean he can't do it in the second year. Not all juniors are, not all U23 riders, youngsters in general are supposed to prove in the first year that they deserve that spot. They've got some time to actually prove that they deserve World Tour uh, spots, and Hajduk might do that next year. But with a Leonard, apparently he's he's just very uh, talented. So I'm hoping to see a lot of good stuff from him in the future because we've got a limited amount of Canadians in World Tour. Woods is probably not going to stick around for another 10 years, so I like seeing more Canadians. Yeah, 18 years old. It's now, there was Avenapol, Ayuso, Brenner, uh, Leonard. I uh, probably missed another teenager that was signed to a World Tour team. And the thing is, Ineos doesn't really have a dev team, but they do have a pretty broad program in that they do uh, an Andalusia, they do Hungary, they do Settimana, which is where I would expect Leonard to go 100% next year uh, as a stage race where Tullet, I think, won this year. So, yeah, I guess they're just going really, really young and realizing that maybe in maybe riders physically don't peak at 28, maybe they peak at 23. And if you have the right modern professional training and opportunities at a young age then they will peak at 23 i don't know um but yeah they're going very very young and poor old g will have to hold up the ship and podium the tour again next year <laughs> i think unless peacock goes for it um wasn't there something benji about the uci changing the rules about agents and juniors and things like that yeah indeed they are now making a uh they've actually uh made a decision to uci at their during the world championships they have like this board membership congress to make decisions and so forth out of that came the decision that riders that are juniors can't be recruited by uh rider agents anymore and on one end i think that it is to protect those riders from rider agents who have the idea of benefiting from youngsters signing them up early and financially benefiting from them future in their career. On the other end, there's also the aspect that if I am a youngster, a junior rider, I want to be represented by someone that knows how to negotiate a contract with a World Tour team, for example, because there are riders like a Michael Leonard or Actually, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. So if anybody knows, shout it out in the description or in the comment section or something. Now, a rider like that is being signed so young, so he kind of needs someone to represent himself. Do his parents know how a rider contracts and so forth worth to do it for him? I don't know. But there are other options, of course. I think there's some unions that give uh, advice when it comes to legal stuff to riders. Maybe... That can be a, a solution. There's also potentially just in general lawyers that could help, sports lawyers when it comes to the contracts. But do you think it's dangerous for youngsters to not be able to have a rider agent represent themselves? Or do you think it's a good decision or comes from a good place when it comes to the UCI? Uh, I think it's one of the worst ill-thought-out things I've ever heard. The idea that they haven't prevented World Tour teams signing junior riders, so junior riders still must negotiate or can negotiate before they do U23 with a World Tour team. The only difference is now they don't have professional representation. So what have you achieved here? 
Okay, and and also, is there an epidemic of juniors going to world tour? Keanu Brooks, it's going great. It can't be going better for him at Bora, in my opinion. And he's getting paid better money than he would at a U23 team. Uh, Brenner, that's the one. Not sure it's worked out, but that's DSM. Avonapol, he looks pretty good. Uh, who else has signed Uso? up? Yeah. Ayuso, he's pretty good. Uh, and Sheffield, he's pretty good. They're all earning good money. And Morgado, Herzog, or, well, technically being signed by Axion, but I'm pretty oh, sure no, they've that already... doesn't count. That doesn't count. Okay. That's a dev team, okay. in my view. Um, <laughs> the I also think it's a bit paternalistic. Like, I know they're young men. I know they're 18, but, like, if they want to earn the money and take the money... And also, to go for development, then they should be allowed to make that decision, and they still are allowed to like make that decision. And like, only the top guys are getting signed. I just don't understand why. Like, what agents? Uh, I don't understand the, the motivation for this. Like, so they're saying that an agent is going to go to X rider who wouldn't have gone world tour, and then force them to go world tour when they would have gone to u23 because then the agent gets the commission like but then they must be already a pretty good rider to go like top one 0.01 percent i just don't understand and also ineos or whoever ineos quickstep uae whoever signed the juniors they're on the other end of the table so they're not looking after i know they will because it's their young rider when develop them but in the negotiation in the contract no it's trying to get the best deal for you. Like, so who's looking out for the guy? Like their dad who might or mother who might not know anything? I think the issue that I see when it comes to this is, let's say, let's say that the original thought has some merit. Let's say that the UCI has data to prove that there are rider agents that are benefiting from uh, getting youngsters at a young age and only doing so so they can financially benefit of those earnings. Let's, let's say they have the data to back that up. I think that's just going to switch around to teams benefiting from that because they're going to be preying on youngsters that don't have proper representation. That's my view here. And I, I think we're going from one situation that might not be ideal, perhaps, to another situation that might not be ideal. I think it's just not completely far true. And there must be other solutions that can work and solve the issues better if the issues are there. Yeah, I mean, the, the solution to what they're trying to achieve is you prevent... Riders must do one year of under 23. It's the same as um, going to the NFL. You've got to do, you got to do college, a year of college, right? Um, NBA, they started being able to recruit from high school and the debate about should they be able to do that. Um, I, I think if they're good enough, they're good enough. And I think, to be honest, like for the small, very, very small subset of riders we're talking about, they are the, su- the potential future superstars. And if they, you know, if they want to join the world tour team, and also like Eos, if you're 18, 20, 21, pretty fun place at the moment. There's loads <laughs> of other riders your age, um, probably all getting good results. You got the best support in the in the in the sport, and you're getting paid better than you would at a Conti team. So obviously, there's more pressure, of course. Um, but yeah, I just I don't understand where this has come from, to be honest. I do think that there's an aspect to the fact you spoke about is there an epidemic from youngsters going straight to World Tour and so forth? I do think there is an increasing factor of World Tour teams that are collaborating with deaf teams so that they already can go to juniors to make sure that they can present those juniors a plan like okay, I'm Bora, you can go to Lotto Kenhaus for the next few years and already sign a contract with Bora afterwards. Okay, I'm Lefebvre, uh, junior William Lasser, that rider that was ditched out of Lotto Sudal because he was negotiating with uh, Quickstep without telling Lotto Sudal, for example. Well, Quickstep, Lefebvre offered him a deal to go to the U23 team and then afterwards already three-year deal or what is it? to go to the Walter team of Quickstep? Is that an aspect that is underrated here? I mean, maybe. Like, but he's... Is he a junior? Um, Not anymore. 
Yeah, like it's the actual juniors getting signed to world tour is so few. And there's also examples like Morgado who came second in the junior road race world champs today should have, um, he probably should have won. He, he could of course race in world tour next year. You don't think this guy couldn't get good results in, on, in dot pro races for a world tour team. Of course he can. He's, he's like crazy good rider Morgado. Um, but he's going to Hagen's Bermanaxian next year uh, with Tavares. So there's and with Herzog, who won that race ahead of him for their U23 year, who's 17. So like, and you look at Morgata too. The man's got like porn star mustache. Like he looks looks 30. Um, he can ride in World Tour already, but he didn't. He chose not to. So there's all, there's still riders making, and he's represented. He's got an agent, Corso, I think. Um. And they, so what, they're not allowed to, they wouldn't have been allowed to represent him even though they've got some sort of plan together and he's not rushed straight to World Tour? I don't know. It just seems a bit of an overreach, not thought out, and I hope not, but there's no maximum contract length in cycling. What if Remco Avenapol didn't get repped, but what if a team, the next Avenapol 2.0 comes along and the World Tour team says, hey, I'll give you 150K for each year for 10 years, and this kid's like Avonapole level, worst contract in the history of cycling. And he's like, well, I need 150K. Like, <laughs> he doesn't have advice about it. So, yeah, a bit of an issue, and we'll see how that one uh, is resolved because I don't think that one's done yet. But any other transfer news, Benji, any other riders that around the traps you wanted to, wanted to mention uh, before we get out of here? I think there's just loads of transfers that are still coming. I think it's best if we categorize them a bit throughout potentially a next transfer roundup. We've gone on for 53 minutes and I, I do want to talk about, for example, a lot of Sudal. The transfers they have is that world to worth, is that preparation to go to pro team. But I think we can talk about it in the following uh, transfer roundup, in my honest opinion. What's your take? Yeah, and also we'll know they'll probably they're looking like they'll be relegated, but they'll have the wild cards, so it doesn't change yep. too much. But will riders break their contract? I doubt it. I wouldn't if I was on that team and got a contract <laughs> I'm happy with, um, because they got all the races anyway. Anyway, that's all from us. Bit of a transfer roundup and some miscellaneous news, some agent news as well. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 